1: the second quarter earnings results conference call. During the presentation, our participants will be in the listen-only mode. Afterwards, we'll conduct a question-and-answer session. At that time, if you have a question, please press the 1 for by the 4 on your telephone. If any time the conference should reach an operator, you may press the star for by the 0. As a reminder, today's call is being recorded Thursday, July 29, 2021. Now, I would like to turn the conference over to marie Nick Bonneau, Head Investor Relations. Please go right ahead.
2: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to our second quarter conference call. All our Q2 documents, including press release, slides for this conference call, MDA, and supplementary information package are posted in the Investor Relations section of our website at IA.c. This conference call is open to the financial community, the media, and the public. I remind you that the question period is reserved for financial analysts. A recording of this call will be available for one week starting this evening. The archive webcast will be available for 90 days, and a transcript will be available on our website in the next week. I'll direct your attention to the forward-looking statements at the end of the slide package. A detailed discussion of the company's risk is provided in our 2020 MD&A, available on Sedar and on our website. I will now hand the call over to Denis Ricard, President and CEO.
3: Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us on the call today. As usual, I will start by introducing everyone attending the call on behalf of IAE. First of all, Jacques Podvin, Chief Actuary and CFO. Mike Stickney, Chief Growth Officer and responsible, among other things, for our, our U.S. operations. Alain Bergeron, Chief Investment Officer. René Laflamme, in charge of individual insurance and annuities. Sean O'Brien, responsible for mutual fund business, wealth management, distribution affiliates. Weblet, in charge of our dealer services, special markets, and IA Auto & Home. And Eric Jobin, responsible of our group businesses. I am very pleased with IE Financial Group's second quarter results that were disclosed this morning. With excellent performance in both sales and profits for virtually all business lines, IE had a record quarter in terms of profitability. Each of the six main KPIs shown on slide four are extremely solid. Up sharply by 34% year over year, core EPS of $2.29 is IE's highest for a quarter. This result, which is above guidance, is even more noteworthy because it is attributable to several sources from different sectors, including the contribution of IES. Core ROE of 14.2% is also above guidance and in line with the medium-term target range of 13 to 15% that we announced at our March 2021 investor event. This metric is on a trailing basis and therefore reflects the strength of the last four quarters. The following two KPIs fully demonstrate the ongoing momentum in sales. Premiums and deposits increased by an impressive 47% year-over-year to $3.9 billion, and AUA-AUM of more than $210 billion are up by 16% over the last 12 months. With a two-percentage point increase, our solvency ratio remains strong at 130%, 130%. Added to this is our distinctive protection equivalent to nine percentage points. Finally growth in book value, a key measure since it represents the actual value added for our shareholders, grew by 4% quarter over quarter and by 11% year over year. Now, turning to slide 5, which illustrates our business mix, starting with our foundation businesses, that is, those in which we already have a leadership position, businesses which include individual insurance, wealth management, and dealer services in Canada, had very strong sales and profit uh, profit exceeding expectations, the experience gains over $0.20 uh, cents EPS. In our support business, which delivers synergies and competitive advantages to other IE businesses, I want highlight the solid sales in group savings and at IE Auto & Home. Our Quebec PNC affiliate also delivered a strong contribution to earnings again this quarter. Finally, our expansion businesses, which are distinctive businesses with high growth potential, continue to add value. In fact, contribution from retail distribution, including PPI, Investia, and IEP 12, was better than expected. Sales and profits for both U.S. divisions were also above expectations. In particular, the performance of U.S. dealer services Illustrates the merits of our approach to growing in the US auto warranty market and of the acquisition. During the second quarter, several important strategic projects made good progress. For instance, the integration of IES is continuing, going well. We have also defined our working goal for the post-pandemic period, based on a flexible approach that will allow us both our ambition to be the company that best meets client expectations and to be an employer of choice. To conclude, q results fully reflect the strength of our business model and complementary between business segments as a driver of synergies. With a very strong momentum of sales and profitability and with a solid financial foundation, IE is well-positioned for successful growth in the Canadian insurance and savings market And to become a leader in the North American dealer service market. I will now let Mike comment further on business growth. Following Mike's remarks, Jacques will provide more information on our key two earnings and financial strength. I will pass it over to Mike.
4: Thank you, Denis, and uh, good afternoon, everyone. In terms of business growth, Q2 completed the first half of 2021 with impressive sales and double-digit growth in virtually all business lines. This performance is a continuation of the past quarters. Individual insurance and individual wealth management carried on their strong momentum, while the significant growth of dealer services in both Canada and the U.S. further demonstrated their strategic contribution to our growth ambitions. Now, please refer to slide 7, as I will comment on Q2 sales by line of business. In individual insurance, sales totaled $73 million during the second quarter, a notable 38% year-over-year increase. As you know, sales growth is rooted in three factors, the strength of our distribution networks, the superior performance of our digital tools, and our comprehensive range of products. Now looking at group insurance, employee plan sales amounted to $14 million compared to $23 million for the same period last year. As you know, sales in this sector tend to vary considerably from one quarter to another due to the significant size of the contracts sold. In the Canadian dealer services operation, sales were up 64% from 2020, mainly driven by PNC sales and car loan originations. New as well as used car sales fared well in Q2, supporting this strong result. In the special markets division, sales were about the same level as last year. People are starting to travel again, and with the easing of travel restrictions, we expect a rebound in travel medical insurance sales in the latter half of 2021. In the U.S. now, sales were quite good in individual insurance with a 12% increase year over year. As for the dealer services division of our U.S. operations, sales were 113% higher than a year ago. I will comment further on this division in in the next few minutes. Now, turning to slide eight for individual wealth management, guaranteed product sales continue to be robust, totaling more than $220 million. Looking at segregated funds, the company continued to strengthen its position in the industry and was still ranking first in year-to-date gross and net sales as at May 31st. Gross segregated fund sales exceeded $1 billion, up 75% year-over-year, while net sales totaled $673 million for the quarter, an impressive increase of 61% year-over-year. As with the individual insurance, our distribution networks and digital tools have been key to our success. Moving to mutual funds, gross sales were up 48% year-over-year, and net sales recorded solid inflows of $272 million for the quarter, showing continued momentum and bringing net sales up to $650 million for, the, for year-to-date. In group savings and retirement sales were also significantly higher than a year earlier up 85% due to the signing of new groups with substantial assets. Finally, direct written premiums in our PNC affiliate, IA Home and Auto, continued their steady growth and increased 11% year-over-year. Over year. Overall, premiums and deposits totaled more than $3.9 billion during the second quarter, driven by our excellent sales results. As for assets under management administration, the growth of the financial markets and solid net inflow of funds resulted in a 16% increase over the last 12 months. To conclude, I would like to draw your attention to slide nine, which focuses on the sales results for our US dealer services division, including those of IAS. As illustrated by the graph on the left side of the slide, sales in this division were particularly strong in Q2. This can be explained by the resilience of the U.S. car sales and also because of the diversification of our sources as 50% of our business comes from the used car market. Also, the synergies between IAS and DAC are, are producing more and more positive outcomes as the integration progresses well. All in all, with the support of our strong F and I development team, we are well positioned to mitigate the impact of new car inventory shortages in the coming quarters and then benefit from the sales recovery in twenty twenty two. I will now turn it over to Jacques to comment on Q two earnings and capital strength. Thank
5: you, Mike, and good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I would just say we have some technical difficulty here in the room, so I hope that you hear me okay. As Denny mentioned, our second quarter results are very positive. Slide 11 compares them to the guidance that was provided at the beginning of the year and demonstrates their overall robustness. EPS, ROE, strain, solvency ratio, and total generation are all in line are better than targets. Most notably, thanks to our solid performance over the last 12 months, Core OE now exceeds our target range. As for the dividend payout ratio, it reflects both the effect of current regulatory restrictions prohibiting dividend increases and our good profitability. Slide 12. Present the reconciliation of core earnings with reported earnings. The first adjustment related to financial markets, which were favorable against this quarter. The second adjustment is for IES integration costs, which were 3 cents EPS higher than expected, mainly due to the accelerated integration of corporate functions. Finally, the other two adjustments were as expected, one for the amortization of acquisition-related and tangible assets, and the other one for non-core pension expense. Now, moving to slide 13, where our Q2 results are presented on a core SOE basis. First, expected profit of $246 million is up 29% year-over-year and is supported by strong organic growth from all sectors, as well as the addition of expected profit from the IAS acquisition and the favorable impact of financial markets and high net fund entries. Very favorable policyholder experience contributed greatly to the strong profitability of the second quarter. Solid experience gains were recorded from almost all business units, including our dealer service divisions in Canada and in the U.S., individual wealth and individual insurance. Please refer to slide 21 in the appendices for more details. The impact of new business generated again at issue equivalent to 1% of sales, this result which can be explained by the high sales volume is within our guidance range and is slightly more favorable than expected. Income on capital was higher than expected in Q2, resulting in a 6 cent 6, EPS gain. This result is mainly attributable to the experience at IE Auto which continues to be very favorable with lower claim ratios for both auto and home insurance. On the other hand, we recorded an IT software write-down in the normal course of business. Finally, income taxes were near the top of our 20 to 22 percent guidance range, resulting in a 2 percent EPS loss due to the true-up for the 2020 tax period, which was partially offset by a few favorable deviations. Taken together, these items drove core earnings to a record level of two dollar twenty nine cents two dollar twenty nine EPS well above our guidance range. Turning to slide fourteen, where you will find an update regarding our additional protections in the reserves for pandemic uncertainty. Overall, the excess mortality protection was sufficient as mortality experience was favorable in the US, but slightly higher than expected in Canada. As for adverse policyholder behavior, the additional protection remains intact as no adverse experience was recorded during the quarter. This protection will be kept for potential use in future quarters. Let's now look at our financial strength on slide 15. Our solvency ratio increased by two percentage points during the quarter to a very healthy solvency ratio of 130%. The increase is supported by strong and continued organic capital generation and favorable market-related variations. Our capital position is even more robust when considered together with our distinctive market protection. As shown on slide 16, it is currently worth more than the equivalent of nine additional percentage points of solvency ratio. Finally, organic capital generation was again very strong at about 100 million during the quarter. This leads me to conclude my remarks with some observation on the year-to-date results and to make some comments regarding our expectation for the second half of the year. Our very strong results for the first six months of 2021 can be attributed mainly to four elements. Solid sales, supported by smart digital choices. Favorable police order experience in almost all business units. The favorable impact of financial markets and our prudent approach to managing the pandemic including additional protections in the reserves. We expect business growth and experience to remain generally favorable during the second part of the year. Assuming that the financial market and the evolution of the pandemic also continue to be favorable, we believe that our Q3 and Q4 core EPS should be towards the upper end of our guidance range. This should generate enough organic capital for us to exceed the top of our annual target range of 325 million. Operator, we will now take questions.
1: Thank you very much. And if you'd like to register a question, please press the one or by the four on your telephone. You have a three-tone prompt to acknowledge your request. If question has been asked or to draw your registration, you press the one or the three. Using speakerphone, please lift your handset before entering your request. One moment, please, for the first question. We'll get to our first question on the line from Minnie Grauman from Scotiabank. Go right ahead. Save big on Brunch for Mom,
0: all in the Kroger app.
6: you uh, referenced uh, strengths uh, in the di- distribution side of your business and i'm just wondering if you could go into a little more detail both on the insurance and the wealth side i mean it wasn't so long ago when we were talking about a goodwill impairment at ppi i'm just wondering uh, if you give us a little more specifically any metrics in terms of you know, the transition from face-to-face meetings to digital meetings and also related to the high-end portion of the ppi business in particular
3: so, so many. Uh, if, if I understand well your question, what you want to know is to what extent. Uh, it's Denis here. Thanks for the question. Uh, you want to know to what extent you know there's there's been changes in the way distributors have been uh, uh, doing business with their clients. You know, like face to face, and you know how this has evolved. Is that, is that what you're saying?
6: Yeah, I'm trying to understand. You know, it seems like uh, you know the pandemic presented some challenges to that distribution model, but it looks like. Those have been overcome, so I want to see to what extent to what extent that's permanent and any sort of interesting dynamics going forward in the in the distribution business that you can highlight, either positive or negative, going forward. Okay, I'm, I'm going to ask you, Laflamme, to answer your question. Rani.
7: Yeah, thank you very much. Um, you're right that the distribution has, has overcome and that uh, people are now um, uh, familiar with all the tools. They are be- becoming more and more efficient, and... Um, you know, we, we're entering into a phase where digital tools are very well used and accepted and then combining back to, you know, the consignment and, and meeting uh, clients. So um, the, the outlook is positive. The distribution networks have adapted very well. Uh, so to your question, yes, the outlook is positive, and I think we'll get the best of both worlds.
6: And then just in terms of the high-end business at TPI, how has that evolved, Uh, and is it back to normal there? Uh, What's the outlook for that specific niche?
7: Yeah, that's a good question, because at that time, at one point, uh, if you remember last year, probably around this time, we had um, no more fluid tests happening because of confinement. This is now back to normal, and um and 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 we see the pipeline of high net worth business um uh building. So yes, we're back to uh, where we were before.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. We'll get to our next question on the line from Gabrielle Desain from National Bank. Please go right ahead.
8: Good afternoon. Uh first questions on uh capital as the uh you know dry powder number keeps growing and you're you know talking about uh, potentially exceeding your internal capital uh, generation target for the year, which looks like you're in a position to do. Just wondering how that affects your you know perspective on uh possible acquisitions. I believe last time you were hinting more at tuck ins than anything large. Um if we could start there. Yeah,
3: Gabriel, it's Denis here. Um, no change in our strategy right now. Our focus is on organic growth, including investment in technology. Um, second, uh, obviously, it's about the dividends. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're, we're looking forward for the regulators to lift the restrictions on dividends. And once they do that, obviously, you know, um, we're going to... Um, um resume our increase and, and and we're we're strongly thinking about uh, basing our dividend payout ratio uh, based on um, on the core earnings as opposed to the reported earnings for f um, y okay. i and al- and also um acquisition both on acquisition we still have some you know in our in uh, in our uh, you know baseline here but uh, nothing major in terms of acquisition at this point and and' n c i b uh, opportunistic, if, if for any reason there is an opportunity, but it's really the last resort.
8: Okay, uh, and, and just to clarify that payout ratio comment you made—that uh, uh, I think I asked you about that previously—you said it was based on reported, but you're shifting that to a core measure.
3: Uh, we, as I said, we are strongly considering doing that. Uh, okay, KPM.
8: got it. Uh, IAS, yes, and uh, maybe I'm, I'm – I, I hope I'm not reading too much into this, but it sounds like you're more confident in the second-half outlook than you were through a combination either of, of uh, better sales of uh, or more participation in used auto car sales and dealers under pressure to, you know, generate revenue, so they're, they're incentivized to sell more warranty products. Uh, and then plus sounds like some additional synergies are – you're getting out of IES and uh, combining that with DAC, Is that are, are are those all factors that have helped to increase your confidence in, in the full year outlook?
3: Yeah, it's Denny here, absolutely. And I will I will leave uh, the uh, the sales part to Mike and I'm sure that Jock will want to comment on the profit as well. So Mike maybe for you here.
4: Sure. Um thanks for the question and you did a good job of um of listing off, you know, kinda of what, what the positive uh Positive issues are through the first half of the year. It's it's gone. Uh, it's gone well. It's probably better than expected, and it does okay. make me more confident about the second half of the year. I, I still expect a bit of a slowdown in car sales. The you know inventories are dwindling, um, but uh, you know uh, there's a number of factors at play, and it's a very fluid situation. <clears throat> you know there's. Uh, uh, I read stuff almost uh, daily. Uh, you know, the Biden administration has been lobbying the chip manufacturers to, to kind of ramp up and and make a make automotive chips a priority. Uh, so I think that's having some impact. Uh, the chip manufacturers are, are ramping up, um, and so uh, yeah. Overall, we're feeling better uh, and very okay. pleased with the with the first half.
8: Great. And then my my last uh, question will be on the P&C business. I mean, this one is continuing to exceed my expectations, uh, probably others as well. I'm just wondering, uh, you know, are we in a uh, victim of its own success uh, situation here? You know, when, when conditions normalize, uh, is it likely that that business has negative growth, let's say, in 2022? Well, not, not because it's anything bad, it's just things are as good.
9: I can answer, this is Francois here,
5: so uh, uh, in terms of future growth, I think the future growth uh, is is protected, but uh, you're right that as driving will come back to a new equilibrium, we will see claim frequency going back to normal. We need to keep in mind though that the last three quarters prior to the pandemic, we were already seeing strong underwriting results from that business, and we don't see any indication that it will be otherwise. So we should then see continued strong results from io for the next few quarters.
8: Okay, uh, yeah, it might be worthwhile to throw combined ratio information in the uh, slide deck somewhere. Thank you. Thank you.
1: We'll get to our next question on the line from the line of Tom McKinnon with BMO. Please go right ahead with your question.
10: Yeah, thanks very much uh, and good afternoon. <laughs> Uh, question with respect to the group business, the group life and health business, uh, really big growth and expected profit year over year and quarter over quarter. So is there any seasonality in, at play here? Uh, and uh, any other general overall comments about uh, the, uh, you know, the the, the the really good results you're getting in your group life and health? And I have a follow-up.
5: Okay. Uh, hello, Tom. Jacques speaking. Uh, You're totally right with seasonality. If you recall well, in Q1, we had a negative growth of the expected profit on Enforce. And the question was asked, and I mentioned at the time uh, that for the whole year, we're expecting for that division to have uh, an expected profit uh, on Enforce growth of 9%. So it's really seasonality. And uh, when I look at that, we're, we're improving every year. Our team are improving the prediction on a quarterly basis, and uh, we're very pleased with the, I would say, with the result we're, we're having there. And about the, those results, this quarter, for sure, the PNC uh, claims uh, of the dealer division has been tremendously good for the quarter as well as as to finance. So uh, that's really the story of that line of business.
10: Should we be looking at expected profit growth for the full year being greater than nine percent especially given that you're guide for that uh, business especially given the fact you're guiding overall uh for uh the overall company earnings to be towards the top end of guidance for the rest of twenty twenty one
5: I would say that uh, when when uh, i uh I mentioned that uh, we are targeting to be at the top of the the guidance. I certainly have in mind IE auto uh, and home, this is a given. Uh, We spoke about the good result of IES as well, so we now expect uh, the if you remember well uh we have a thirty nine to forty four cent uh, target for the year that we mentioned at in q one Our view was we will be in, within that guidance, and now we're confident to say we will be at the top and even maybe exceed that uh, that part and also we have to consider also favorable markets that are helping the wealth division uh in all those those different businesses uh, when I look at uh, Auto, uh, auto finance in the dealer division, for sure. When I look at the credit risk, as long as government, government programs are in place, as long as the lockdown, I, I think people are paying their debt instead of spending their money elsewhere. Well. So that's what we see. So at one point in time, it will probably uh, come back to normal. But uh, we're, uh, I would say, positive on that. But maybe a little bit less than the first three uh, sectors I spoke about.
10: Okay, uh, thanks for that. And then uh, as you look towards the end of the year when you do your actuarial assumption update, is there anything you can share with us now? Uh, Traditionally, what it's been is uh, some pretty big moving parts, but being able to offset that with uh, investment gains. Is there any um, any way you can frame our thinking for how uh, the year-end might shake up in terms of uh, actuarial assumption changes? Uh, what you're looking at, where you might see some red flags, and uh, and to what extent you'd be able to offset that with uh, uh, investment gains?
5: That's a good question, uh, Tom. It's very early in the year, so um, it's uh, I, I don't have anything. The, the only thing I can tell you is I'm not worried at all about IREN at this point in time, so I don't see any trend. I see there's no negative trend at all, so uh, I'm very, very confident uh, in regard of what is happening.
1: Okay. Thanks. Thank you very much. Let's get to our next question on the line. It's from Doug Young from Desjardins Capital Markets. Go right ahead.
11: Hi. Good afternoon. Maybe just starting with IAS, and maybe just kind of throw out a theoretical um, question here. If I were to think of new car sales dropping a buying amount but used car sales actually picking up by the same amount so like the mix shifting towards more used car versus new car and if you kept the same attachment range on the sales of the warranty would that not have a net net positive impact on IAS's results is that the way to think about it
3: uh, I don't know Mike if you want to comment on that one
4: yeah sure of on. versus you? yeah no we're uh, the way I look at the business dog is we're, we're relatively neutral um, you know, used versus new in terms of our margins and that kind of thing. So I don't think there's um, a big advantage if it's, you know, a car for a car, you know, one less new car versus one more used car. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I I I think it's, you know, obviously we're happy to, you know, picking up the used car business, but I don't think we're going to gain from it. What I was
11: getting at is, I thought, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that if you sell a new car warranty on a new car, it doesn't really go through your P&L until the OEM warranty is gone. And whereas if you sell it on a used car, it, it starts to immediately flow through the P&L. Is that not the way it happens?
4: Yeah, there's a bit of a timing issue there. You're right. That would uh, benefit us, but it's uh, I don't think it's material. Um, okay. Depends on okay. the term of the you know the various products. I mean. You know, we sell a lot of ancillary too, which are shorter term, and you know, obviously sure. on new and used. So it's uh, it's quite a mixed bag when you get into the details.
11: Okay. And
4: well, then maybe just maybe a- the other thing
3: to keep in mind is that um, you know a lot of our business is on a fee business uh, model, um, where the uh, the underwriting profit is be- or, or or loss whatever is being taken by the by the dealer. So it it, it brings uh, you know some kind of stability in our results.
4: Yeah, there, I mean, the, the revenues recognizers amortized over time. Um, uh, and so that uh, that smooths things out.
11: Okay, okay.
4: And then and just a few
11: clarifications and probably for Jacques. If I look at slide 29, it shows the S&P TSX level where the LICAT falls to 110%. That's 400 points versus 2,900 points last quarter. What's changed?
5: Thing, uh Doug, the the capital, the solvency ratio increased by two percent, and the stock market protection increased by four percent. So the caution has increased a lot. Okay,
11: so, okay, so that's protection by by that amount. Okay, yeah. I was just okay. And then uh, individual insurance. And I know you've had decent lapse experience since you adjusted your lapse assumptions, you know, not long ago. Um, but it seemed like there was a slight um, deterioration in individual insurance lapse experience this quarter. Can you delve into what caused that?
5: Yes. Yeah, you know what, Doug? is one cent. We didn't have any experience loss in Q1, so for me, one cent off, I'm not worried at all about that. So. Uh, we will see what will develop in the future, but I'm very confident that the changes we brought last year and in previous year were the right ones so for me uh, it could be just statistical fluctuation
11: okay, so there's nothing you're seeing in in the book then and no. and Then, just lastly, in the individual insurance experience, there was a mention of included unfavorable impact on the level of assets backing individual insurance reserves of two cents. Can you maybe unpack what that is?
5: Yeah, so this is something we associate with uh, instantaneous market impact. And uh, you've seen that over, if you look at the rolling nine, you will see that uh, almost every quarter there's an impact coming from that. Uh, our, the liability value is equal to the value of the asset needed to support and to mature all cash flow, so it's quite technical. So everything that moves, uh, if it's a market, if it's spread, if it's interest rate, it has an impact on the market. So what we're capturing there is really what is not, I would say, what we con- don't consider core business, but what is affected by those movements. It's really uh, the level of reserve that moves, and it has an impact on p That's really what we capture here.
11: Okay. Okay. Good. Thank you very much.
5: You're welcome.
1: Thank you. We'll get to our next question on the line. It's from the line, Paul Holden with ABC World Markets. Please go right ahead.
9: Thank you. Good afternoon. So, I want to go back to the um, capital allocation discussion, Denis, and you gave a pretty comprehensive answer. And just the one thing I want to follow up on is <clears throat> with respect to the NCIB and being a lo- lower priority, and that's consistent with IA's history, but you know, I think there might be an argument or I would argue you're putting up fantastic organic growth today yet still generating excess um excess capital so if that continues to be the case, and given where your stock's trading like why 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 not be a little bit more positive on uh, on the n c i b
3: Thank you, Paul, for the question um It could be that in the uh, near future we decide to look at n c i b you know more positively. But, uh, I mean, before we get there, we will certainly sit down and see to what extent uh, we could increase the size of the, some of the acquisitions that we will be targeting. So, uh, our preference has always been and continues to be on growth first. So, uh, before we go to NCIB, you know, uh, we would certainly put much more uh, thoughts and resources in, in, in uh, growing the business, either organically or through acquisitions.
9: Okay. Okay. I got it. Um Next question, um, maybe you can give us a quick update on early delinquency experience with respect to auto loans. I believe the deferral programs um, have um, expired. Um, I'm assuming the delinquency rates are pretty low, but maybe you can, can confirm that and then just quantify what you have left on the balance sheet in terms of, um, in terms of the extra provisions you provided uh, last year.
5: Uh, Jacques speaking. Um, During the quarter, we released uh, the equivalent of two cents coming from that. Actually, it's really people that took a deferral last year and that have started back to repay their loan. Uh, So what we have remaining on the balance sheet is the equivalent of 2.5 cents close to uh, to that. So, uh, we will see what will happen with them. But like I said earlier, uh, with government program, the fact that people are paying their debt much more. If you look at the slide showing the credit loss experience, it's simply amazing. The, 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 the number you, s- we see there. So will it change in one quarter. We don't expect so. So I feel pretty confident about the fact that that, that, Uh, provision won't be needed, but we never know what will happen with that crisis, okay? That crisis is not completely behind us, unfortunately.
9: Okay. Okay. And last question is with respect to the uh, IT um, write-down you took this quarter. I think this is the second time we've seen that um, in the last few years. I can't remember if the last one was last year or the year prior. Is there potential for more coming, and I guess to better understand that answer, kind of what drove this most recent um, write-down?
5: Okay, maybe I will answer it in two. Uh, Jacques speaking again. Uh, this one, it's uh, related to our uh, strategy to protect against uh, cybersecurity threats. So, we have, our strategy have evolved, and we will never compromise on protecting our clients' data. So uh this is uh what happened during that quarter. If I look forward, you know that at the end of the day we presented that we want to ramp up our digital transformation, so investing uh five hundred and millions over the next uh five years, and you can be sure that doing in trans Transformation at such a pace—it may happen. It will probably happen again that we may decide that uh, we will let go of one software because we improve, a, uh, we, we want to uh, to go uh, quicker on uh, a new uh, idea uh, with our software and so on. So it may happen again. That's the way I look at it.
9: Understood. That's helpful. Thank you. That's all the
1: questions I had. Bye. Thank you. We'll get to our next question on the line from Darko Mihalik from RBC Capital Markets. Go right ahead.
12: Hi. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon. My question is, uh, yeah, I hate to do this to you, but I'm going to bring you back to capital one more time. Uh, and I'm looking at page 16 and potential capital deployment of $800 million. Now, that's up from $500 million just one quarter ago. A okay, 60% increase quarter over quarter. And, you know, I can see that you've generated $100 million in the quarter. So the question is a few things. Um, first, where did the other $200 million come from? Um, is it some sort of actuarial black box thing you did in the quarter or some sort of new measure? Uh, and could it happen in reverse? Could we have a big decline like that uh, in a quarter or two uh, on the potential capital deployment? Um, and if it is, in fact... You know, sort of permanent and can sit there. Um, you know, did you did you kind of go on hurry up offense for some reason? Or... <laughs> so those are my questions around capital, and I might I might sort of have some follow ups. But maybe if you can just sort of first walk me through how it how it came to be at a sixty percent increase Q over Q, which is very rare amongst the companies I cover, um, and then talk through you know sort of the um, um, permanence of it. And um, whether or not they're you know, you really went scratching for it for uh, for a reason. Uh,
5: really great observation, uh, Darko. With jog speaking here, uh, I'm really happy that someone asked that question actually because uh, you're totally right that it increased a lot during the quarter. 20 actually, 150 is really normal profit. And the other 150 million, is not black box. It's really a question. We did something, though. Uh, We have optimized, okay, uh, the capital treatment of the options backing our long-term liabilities. Uh, Because in the capital formula, there's two ways uh, that we can reflect that. We we used one way before, and we decided to move to the other way. And there are three consequences. Okay, the first consequences it has a near neutral impact on the total ratio, slightly negative. Um on the co- on the core ratio though, it increased the core ratio by two percent and it increased on a permanent basis the deployable capital by one hundred and fifty million. And when you look at what happened with the the change of uh, the regulator in regard of the goodwill treatment for us, uh for, uh, for sure, we we're looking at the formula. Is there a way for us to optimize the, the, the way we use the capital? So we did, we, that's something we found that quarter. So will not something that will repeat. We may find other may, other uh, avenues to increase it, but for this quarter, we're, we're very proud of bringing it up to the table.
12: And, and how does it happen that it only – I mean, so your, your LICAT ratio went up just two percentage points. But you're, you're, you know, so I'm a little bit, you know, maybe we can talk offline about some of the puts and takes there um, on on that capital. And maybe, you know, there's no earnings impact either, Jacques, just to be clear. I mean, you you said.
5: No, 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 nothing fundamental. We didn't change the underlying, the economic. We didn't change anything. It's only the only thing which we uh, changed the way. We calculate the capital for those uh, options.
3: It's in here. Let me put it another way. This improved the core ratio, didn't change the total ratio, and uh, because some of the constraints for excess capital or deployable capital was the Tier 1 capital, it improved the deployable capital.
12: Oh, okay. okay. Um, the next obvious question is, are there other opportunities like this that still exist?
5: maybe, maybe not. We will see. My team is working. This is one we have identified and we've been able to execute on. So, you can be sure that my team is doing a great job if uh, looking at that and trying to optimize the value for for our shareholder. Okay. And um,
12: with respect to the, you know, the last thing on this slide 16, which is, you know, with regulators' instructions. The thing is you guys have a different regulator. Is it possible or probable? Or are you pushing for your regulator to say, ah, you know, Ospie's too uh too concerned and 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 over conservative. You guys go ahead. Is that do you think that's even possible?
3: Uh uh, I think it's very unlikely. If Denis here, Darko, the regulators in Canada are talking to each other all the time, and they're probably listening to this call anyway. Um, but they, um, I mean, they, they work in sync. So I would be very, very, very surprised if they, they would move differently. Uh, they, they moved uh, in sync when they decided to make the restriction, and I, I believe that they will move in sync uh, for lifting the restrictions.
12: Yeah, that's what I thought. It makes sense. Just thought I would ask. Okay. Uh, thank you very much.
1: Thank you. I'll get to our next question on the line from Lamar Passat of Carmock Securities. Go right ahead. Thanks.
13: Maybe my question is most appropriate for Mike. I just want to square up some of the discussion on U.S. Uh, dealer services and the impact of uh, the uh, new car inventory shortage. So, you could help us understand how, how do you see u.s dealer services sales evolving relative to the 285 million on slide nine for the back half of the year and i'll tell you there's two real reasons i'm asking the question first i'm wondering is there anything one time in nature given the the very strong sequential growth and then secondly we're seeing support for used car sales uh, with increasing prices so i'm wondering you know is, is is the growth or strength in used car sales uh, going to be enough to offset the slowdown in new car inventories? I apologize if this has been asked. I had a communication issue uh, earlier, so I dropped off for
8: a bit there.
4: Hi, it's uh, yeah, Mike to here and no problem. Um, uh, basically the way I'm looking at it, it's going better than than I would have guessed at the start of the year and uh But, you know, the the issues around the chip shortage and the inventory situation are in the press every day, and I still think we're going to have a slowdown during the second half. It's probably not as bad as I would have guessed at the start of the year or even three months ago. Um, But but, uh, I I think that is basically uh, what's coming. It's probably not going to be as deep as what I would have guessed three months ago. And it is mitigated, especially for us with uh, used car um, sales. And, you know, we've got 50% of our business tied up in the used car market. So that's helping us. But I I do expect it to slow down. Overall for the year, I think we're going to end up in line with expectations, which I feel pretty good about. But, yeah, I think it will slow down a bit. Okay,
13: that's helpful. Thank you. And then my, my next question is, just uh, based on the comment earlier on uh switching the uh the dividend to to being on core versus reported for the for the uh the dividend sum, it sounds like you're you're suggesting uh, a higher dividend would be more appropriate. Is there any uh potential to move the targeted payout ratio higher?
3: Uh, it's Diddy here. We we have no intention to change our target range, which is between 25 and 35%. The only suggestion uh, I made was that it's the basis on which it's calculated that we are strongly considering changing.
1: Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. We'll get to our next question on the line. It's from the line of Scott Channel, Canaccord Genuity. Please go right ahead.
10: Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, I just wanted to go back to your uh, non-time auto book, and uh, I see that it exceeded a billion dollars this quarter, um, up 26% year over year. And I recall in the past that you talked about, you know, perhaps constraining uh, growth within this portfolio. So I was wondering if that's still applicable, or did the pandemic uh, create a market opportunity there?
3: Uh, let me, yeah, it's Danny here. Let me answer that question. Uh, it's a great question. Um, you're right. In the past, we've set uh, some limits. Um, and one of the reasons why we set those limits is because when we bought CL in 2015, we wanted to make sure that we would grow that business smoothly over time and gradually and, and uh, learn through the process because that was a new business for us. So we basically increased year after year. Uh, when we hit the limit, we, we were more comfortable. We would increase the limit, uh, and improve, approved by the board. And uh, but the, now, you know, also what we did is that we looked at the overall for the organization to what extent we were, I we were, uh, would say, uh, uh, ready to support a, a kind of a shock to the uh, uh, to the experience of credit and. Uh, Moving from uh, over $1 billion, which we did, um, is still within the limit of the tolerance of, or the appetite of, of, of risk that we have in the organization. So we feel comfortable with where we are today. At some point of time, you know, we will revisit uh, that, that limit. It may be that we hit a, uh, a limit where we will decide not to uh, to go over, but we are not at that point uh, right now.
10: Okay, thanks, and just lastly, Chuck, uh, you, you, you talked about core UPS guidance from Q3 and Q4 coming at the upper end of the guidance range. And I think I kind of pieced together, you talked about that because of IAS and IA Auto and Home. But was there anything else that uh, that gives you kind of confidence
5: to kind of hit those
10: targets
8: in the back of the year?
5: And I miss a few words, Scott. I will try, actually, uh, the other The other thing is uh, if you look at the market and strong net sales in the wealth division, it will certainly be something that I'm expecting to be higher than the guidance provided at the beginning of the year for sure. And uh, I mentioned uh, there's maybe some part also uh, from IOTO Finance that can contribute to that. Did I yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. I I would just add. Um, uh, yeah, I think uh, yeah, you did the uh, job because uh, the question was about what is it uh, from now until the end of the year that uh, makes us confident, uh, other than uh, a couple of things he mentioned. I would say that in general, I feel quite confident. Also, because when you look at the sales across the board, uh, they have been very very strong, and EUAUM is is has been very very strong. And that makes us very confident that, uh, you know, we can be at that uh, at the top of the range for the end of the year.
10: Okay. That makes sense.
3: Thank
1: you very much. Thank you. And, uh, Ms. Rika, we have no further questions on the line. I'll turn it back to you for any closing remarks.
3: Okay. Sir. Sorry. I didn't push the button, so I did. Okay. Thanks a lot. Uh, listen, um, we've got a great quarter, outstanding quarter. Uh, certainly, a the the couple of things that I'd like to see. First of all, um, I think that we are quite confident about the results going forward, which is, I, I'm sure, of interest from you. And we've been very, very clear that uh, up from now until the end of the year that uh, we believe it will be at the top of the guidance. Uh, our generation of capital, organic generation of capital, is still very strong. Uh, our profitability across the board has been outstanding and we, we are confident that this will continue uh, going forward. And lastly, uh, our growth has been uh, quite uh, excellent during the quarter, I mean, I mean, since the beginning of the year for sure, and we have a momentum right now. So we are confident that this will continue going forward. So uh, uh, I think it's, it's been a quite a good uh, quarter and uh, the next quarters we are quite confident that you know, the good results will continue. Thanks a lot.
1: Thank you very much, and that does conclude the conference call, call for today. We thank you for your participation. We disconnect your lines. Have a good day, everyone. Thank you for listening to TSX
0: Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.